Hello, everybody, and welcome once again to another fantastic episode of the Business Creators Radio Show, where we help you win at the game of business and marketing. My name is Adam Homey. I'm your host, and I am honored by your wise decision to join us today. As the name says, our listeners are business creators. We have our entrepreneurs, small business owners, and local business owners. We have our marketing and business coaches. We have the folks who help others build their businesses. And on the other side of that coin, we have the do-it-yourselfers who love having your own hands on the levers as you market and grow your business. If you are one or more of the above, please take a moment, explore our episodes at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com where we help you win at the game of business and marketing. Also check us out on iTunes. Just do a search for Business Creators Radio Show. Every five-star rating is greatly appreciated, helps us help more business creators just like you. We have over 120 episodes. Make sure to subscribe. Fresh content delivered automatically to your iTunes every single week. Today, we are going to get into, and I'm, I'm so excited about this because this is one of the most common things that people ask for in the discussion groups that I see and in some of the coaching and consulting I do, which is how to sell without being salesy. And part of the reason that people are looking for that sales without being salesy, uh, also known as selling without selling, why they're looking to be able to accomplish that effectively has to do with really two things. On the one hand, they recognize that if they have not established uh, the know, like, and trust with their prospect, that they are very unlikely to succeed in closing that deal, getting that client, and having the opportunity to be of service. Also, it has a lot to do with confidence, which is why today we're going to be talking about the secret to sales confidence. And to share with you on that, I have with us Phyllis Nichols of SoundAdviceSales.com. And just to tell you a little bit about Phyllis, as I said, she's the founder of Sound Advice Sales and Marketing. That's a company that helps entrepreneurs build their businesses infusing sales strategies with a daily action plan. Phyllis has a passion for sales, telling stories that inspire, and empowering others to embrace their potential. She uses her expertise to help creative entrepreneurs grow revenue resources and infuse confidence and creativity to tell their marketing stories. Phyllis, welcome aboard. Well, thank you. It's nice to be here with you today. Great, absolutely, and uh, the feeling is definitely mutual as far as that goes. Now, I just told people a little bit about what you're doing right now, but what we like to do is, especially for those of our listeners who haven't really had a chance to get to know you yet, just tell us a little bit about what has brought you to the intersection of your brilliance and your passion to drive you to do what you're doing today to serve our business creators. Well, sure, I'd be happy to do that. Um, I really do consider myself a salesperson at heart, um, right. which is I, sometimes odd. People kind of look at me weird at, when I say that at times. But uh, I started off uh, years ago working for in corporate sales in a B2B environment. And what I realized is, uh, first of all, I really liked it, and I was I was really good at it, and it um, – it just it just kind of took off from there. One of the things I realized though early on was that it was really all about uh, connecting with people, and um, so that's something that I worked on the most. Um, obviously, knowing your products and knowing um, your your 
knowing your stuff, right, knowing whatever it is you're selling and marketing is important. But at the end of the day, the, um, the, the fun of it for me was being able to connect with people and also being able to be in a helpful place with them. Even in the B2B environment, you know, my, my job was really to help my customers um, do the best for them, make the best decisions. I was selling IT products and services. And so we were just trying to make sure they were getting the right thing, they weren't overpaying, they were getting the best solutions possible, and um, it just kind of took off from there. That's fantastic. Uh, now, what we like to do here in the Business Creators Radio Show, and our listeners can hear the drumbeat in the background because they know what I'm going to ask next. Ask next. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited over this, I can barely pronounce my own words. So here we go. Here in the Business Creators Radio Show, we provide the tools, techniques, and strategies to help entrepreneurs quickly grow their businesses. A lot of our listeners tell me they have everything they need to implement anything that we say they need to do except for time and money. This is the question we ask every expert who appears on our show. What I like is not only the variety of different answers, but also the variety of ways the question is interpreted. So how do time and money impact what you're going to share with us today? Well, two things, really. Um, time, actually, I believe, is, is really our most precious commodity. So the best... Um, when it comes to selling or when it comes to being effective at really anything in life is really valuing your time and, and using it in the best way that you can, really approaching it as a commodity uh, whether in whatever fashion you can do that. But, uh, I mean, I like to schedule things and I, and I plan. I do my most important work first and things like that. Um, but I think we're used to, I think, feeling like money is our most precious commodity, but I really feel like it's time because the days and the weeks sort of slip away and, and maybe projects don't get finished or we don't make the progress that we would like. Um, when it comes to the money, um, my, I really feel like, you know, money, you can always make more, right? So um, being able to just really focus on money as the result of your um, work and sort of, uh, has been the best sort of it's my attitude or my approach. Um, my my work is to really help others do the best that they can and be successful. And money is sort of the byproduct of that. That's the way I that's my approach with that. That's a very interesting perspective, and thank you for sharing with that. So what I'd like sure. to do now is, uh, as I mentioned earlier, so many folks out there are looking for the ultimate selling without selling strategy. And I believe that it has to do with two things, as I said. Number one, it's because they recognize the importance of what we like to call the website conversion conversation, that process of building no like, and trust. And on the other yeah. hand, it also tends to have a lot to do with confidence. So first of all, let's define our terms. What is sales confidence? Well, sales confidence for me, there's a couple things that I want to mention. So first of all, for our for your listeners and for um, everyone who is really maybe struggling with this concept of selling or, or sales in general, I like to really distill it to its simplest. I feel like you know we don't we overcomplicate a lot of things, and sales is one of those things I think that becomes very complex sometimes, and, and it's no wonder that people go, oh, I hate it. So let's make it super simple. The selling is nothing more than making an offer and giving someone the chance to say yes to that offer. Okay. Okay. So, so as a marketer, like you and I and the people listening, um, I hope they find some confidence just in that description because you know what? Your job is really to make the offer. That's your job. That's it. 
is making making the offer. Now you want it to be compelling and you want it to be interesting and some other factors, but you know, that's really your job, making offers and, and making the offer in whatever way that is, whether it's on your website or in person or um, you know, in writing, emails, however you do that. There's a number of ways to make offers. But that's where I want you to focus. And hopefully for a lot of people, I think it, I hope that it makes them feel a little more confident because that's all you're doing. You're not persuading. You're not manipulating. You're not um, trying to do anything other than just put your offer out to the world. That brings up okay? a question. Why, why do people yeah. make it complicated? I mean, I, <laughs> why, 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 why do we think it's so complicated? Well, I think that um, because a couple of things. First of all, we're not always really good at making offers, so it's got to be more than that, right? It can't just be. It's kind of like I like to use the analogy like with losing weight, right? Most of us know like there's some things that we can do that would help us uh, lose weight or live in a more healthy manner, and we usually know what those things are. If I ask almost anybody, they could give me a list of five or six things that they know would be helpful. Um, We do kind of the same thing with selling. I think we just There's so much resistance sometimes. I think it's just even the simplest steps. Um, It just it feels like it should be harder and and more complicated, and 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 it really isn't. So I I really work with people in mindset too. Really, if you've got something to share with the world, your work, your art, really the, the best thing that you can do for yourself and for your product or services is to make make the offer, make the offer frequently and often. Um, the other, if you're struggling with that, you know, the other part of it obviously is just putting the offer in front of people who are the most likely to purchase. So, you know, I could randomly go up and down my street and make offers to all my neighbors, but if they don't own their business and they're not interested in sales concepts, then obviously I'm making the offer in, in genuine good faith, but, but I'm not reaching the right people, obviously. So I'm using a very obvious example. But, yeah, I just think it gets complicated. And and sometimes selling is more than one place. So right with my corporate clients, my offer might have been first just to have a meeting. That was the first offer that I made was just the opportunity to have a meeting and sit down and talk with them. Now, the second offer might have been to take it further and be able to provide it with pricing or a proposal or take a project to the next level. Um, So, you know, there are sometimes a couple of steps, but making the offer is always just the simple, easiest, when you're feeling stuck about it, go back to that piece because that's the piece that's always going to help. This is already triggering a couple things here, which is fantastic. We've had other guests on the Business Creators Radio Show uh, talking about sales. Uh, which is fantastic because we like to get a lot of different points of view. Sure. We can learn from everybody. And one of the things that I see where we don't seem to have one correct answer, and I'm not sure there is a correct answer, so I'm looking for your perspective on this, is how many touches does it take to make a sale? How many marketing touches? That's a great question. And the answer is uh, probably it depends. Um, now, so for example, if you go to um, you know a store like Costco and they're handing out samples, <laughs> um, you know it might just take one touch, right? You, you you get a sample and you try it out and you go, oh, that's really good. I want it. I put it in my cart and that's done. They've made an offer and and it's done. It's a one-time thing. 
I would say if you're in the business world, though, and you're listening, you know, a lot of your listeners I know of small businesses or, or maybe even larger businesses, um, it's quite possible, and, and it depends on the complexity of the product or service that you're offering. I would say somewhere in the neighborhood of three to five. Um, it's not something, and, and it's not a repetitive, like, pounding um, that same offer over and over. Um, it's 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 a conversation. I want people to understand too. You know, we right. I may be making an offer just like, you know, my first offer just might be like, can we have a phone call and have a conversation about this? I'd love to see if there might be a way, you know, some way that I could help you. You know, that's a first initial offer, and through that conversation, then we may decide together to take it to the next level, and we have an offer to have an in-person meeting or whatever your business model looks like. So, but. I hope that answered your question. That actually gives us a lot of insights here, and I think you're right. It absolutely depends. Um, here's, here's another thing that uh, tends to that I want to make sure that we get out there, and I want to get your thoughts on this as well. Uh, in yeah. working with our coaching consulting clients here at the Business Creators Institute, one of the things that I strongly, and I mean adamantly, tell our clients to do is let's say you're selling information products or let's say you have a mm -hmm. monthly coaching program or something that somebody can sign up for or you're doing events and people can register for the events. Now, immediately right. people were thinking, oh, time to upsell, 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 upsell. Best time to get them to say yes is when they've said yes. All that sound familiar? Sure. So what we tell people to do is your first contact with that person should be, and, and not by autoresponder or auto dial or anything, but an actual human being composes an email sent from an actual email account, not an autoresponder, or picks up the phone and calls a person, just depending on the volume you're dealing with and whether or not it's the type of offer that really requires a lot of human communication. But one way or another, just contact them to say, hey, Thanks again. Congratulations on your wise decision. Uh, just uh, you know, hear your access details again in case you need them. Just wanted to know, just want to make, sh let you know that I'm here if you have any questions. And that's it. You would, th you, would well, think, yeah. you would think, you would think I was trying to sell, uh, you'd think I was trying to sell furnaces to people in Ecuador. I mean, for goodness gracious. <laughs> like, what? You're not taking an opportunity to sell? Oh, no. I Well, I agree with you. I mean, I think that, first of all, if it's somebody that's just bought something and they may not have even had time to actually consume, like you're, in your example, a course or part of a membership and that sort of thing, I think that reaching out is really good so that there's some acknowledgement that, hey, I know you joined. You're not just a number or a, you know, member number or whatever, right? You're, there's a real person behind there and there's a real connection being made, I think that's genius, and I think that's a win. I think rather than trying to sell there, I agree with you. What I, would, what I think would really be better is over-delivering those first 30 days and making sure that person is really having a good experience and then maybe contacting with a follow-up for, um, you know, maybe if it's there's enough sale to have some coaching or whatever might be the case in your business model, um, they're going to be much more receptive if it's like, hey, I, I see that you've, you know, used several of our modules, you've commented a couple times on the forum. Um, I'm not, you know, if you're not seeing the best results, here's how we can help. Here's some other options to be able to help you get the most out of this program. Um, I think things like that would be most effective. And they, again, there's an acknowledgement that um, this just isn't random day 30 uh, where everybody gets this email. It's just some real um, logic behind it. I, I personally just experienced this in a 
course that I was taking um, and, you know, I got an email from the leader of the course saying, hey, you know, I noticed this one particular part of the course you haven't checked in on and I just wondered if that's an issue for you or if you've had any problems. If you have, please let me know. And I was kind of like, wow, that's kind of nice, right? Somebody's paying attention. I'm not just sort of this random person that, you know, is going through this um, curriculum. So I do agree with your philosophy. I think over-delivering in the beginning means you're going to have a customer for life, and they'll continue to buy and consume things as long as you're meeting their needs. Yeah, I think these are all, I think these are all good points. Uh, another thing that comes up for me is I think that when we get into this whole thing about the secret of sales, the secret to sales confidence and how things are becoming so complicated, I think things get complicated with social media because we get messages – from some of the education out there about social media, about selling on social media. And I personally find that using social media platforms like LinkedIn or Facebook or even Instagram, for instance, the less right. you sell, and I'm using air quotes here, the less you sell, the more money you make. Well, right. And on those kinds of I, – I kind of agree with you there. Now, again, let's go back to our, our – if we're going to use our example of, of making an offer. I think you can make an offer in those in social media, but, again, most of the time my offers are going to be for engagement. You know, um, you know, connect with me on Twitter or let's have a quick conversation or subscribe for, you know, a giveaway or getting some additional information from me that's no cost. Um, so those kinds of things I think work better and as – building audiences and just building some traction. And it goes back to something you mentioned at the very beginning of the call, which is developing that sort of know, like, and trust. You know, I have right. people that have purchased from me, and they feel like they know who I am because they've been reading, even though we've never met in person, you know, they've been reading some of my content and they've been, um, in, you know, getting my information and they feel like they know a little bit about me now. They feel like, and they do actually, because I've been, you know, I'm very open and honest about what I talk about. And, um, and you know, I'm sure your audience is the same. So when they do finally make that decision to go ahead and purchase, um, there's, there's already a connection that's been made. And social media, I think, does that better than anything, is help people to see who you are um, and how they can connect with you and develop that whole trust factor, which is really the number one thing um, that's, probably the biggest advantage in the sales confidence sort of equation, if you want to uh, put it that way. Yeah, I think I think that's a good point to, to make. I mean, I, I just, it, this has been my personal view that the less I sell on social media, mm -hmm. the more money I make from it because people, right. all things being equal, will do business with people they know, like, and trust. Uh, we, we, all, we all know that, and Bob Berg said that in The Go-Giver. So uh, you know, all things being equal, people do business with those they know, like, and trust. So. Yep. Uh, it pains me when I see, when I go to social media pages and it feels like they can't comment on social media without selling. Let me give you an example. And unfortunately, um, I've run into this a couple of times and I've seen people do this. And this is their idea of a birthday greeting. Now, the thing is, you know, if you're one of those <laughs> folks who on, on Facebook who likes to say happy birthday to everybody, because, you know, happy birthday, you know, maybe, you know, just a way of getting on your radar screen, something like that. And sure. you can go to their profile when, when Facebook tells you it's their birthday and type happy birthday, have a great year. I, I, that does not require a lot of effort. And the person's going to think, wow, I don't really know this person, but they still said happy birthday. Okay. And now your name now and now your name is in their brain. So you've kind of done the job. So 
what I see, unfortunately, are some people who will go there and they'll say, hey, happy birthday, and I just wanted to give you a gift. Go to this link and opt in and get my three secrets to, to, to making your, chat, your cat chase a wand toy. I'm thinking, are you kidding me? Yeah. Uh, and, and, and that doesn't sound salesy at all. And then the challenge is, if you're actually to confront people, they'll say, well, what do you mean? I was giving them a gift. Well, yeah, and <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, w- I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't recommend that to anybody. And I can't imagine that that even is working. Um, you know, there there are times when I see things on social media, and um, you know, I kind of want to email them and ask and be like, does does this really even work? Because I mean, I can't imagine that anybody's going to go, <gasps> yes, I, this is just what I was waiting for. This sort of weird offer out of the blue. I don't even know who you are, but absolutely, you know, let me get my credit card out. Like, I mean, I just, I just, <laughs> I, I just don't think that's real effective. I also, again, we'll go back to that comment about time and having, you know, we want to do what's most effective. I suppose if you do that maybe a hundred times a day, that maybe somewhere along the line one person or a couple of people might click the link and move forward, you know, but who's, I just don't think that's the most effective use of your time right. or, or your resources either. So um, I think both of those things need to make sense, you know, um, as a strategy to, to be able to uh, incorporate it into something you're going to do on a regular basis. Ser- seriously, uh, I, I mean, I'm just thinking every squirrel gets a nut. I mean, that's just the way it is. But if you are doing this 100 times and you're getting one out of 100, now sometimes that is, a good conversion rate, but come on, happy birthday and hey, let's talk about my opt-in page. Yeah, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't, I don't know who who trains these people. And then another thing that I see, and this is actual advice that was given out by a coach, and I heard this myself. If you have somebody on your Facebook friends list or your LinkedIn connection list or you're following on Twitter or something like that, if you make them an offer and they don't take you up on it, unfriend them, delete them, disconnect. Oh gosh, um, yeah. I don't know if I, I don't. I definitely don't subscribe to that theory. Right. Um, again, I, you know, we'll use. We'll kind of go back to my example of you know me walking up and down my street, right, and 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 offering all of my neighbors and everybody in my neighborhood my services. You know, there might be one person in my neighborhood who's a small business owner who would go, oh yeah, you know what, I really could use your services. But again you know, not the best use of my time. So one of the things in with social media, you know, I have five Facebook friends that people that know me from, you know, in high school and people that know me from different places that I've lived or different volunteer organizations I've been part of. They're in, you know, they're not part of my businessy circle. Um, and that's okay. I'm not going to unfriend them if they don't, that's just, that doesn't make sense to me. Right. Um, what does make sense though, and I think what, what makes the most sense Again, we talk about this two, the simple thing, right, making the offer. And then it's finding and trying to – because let's, get, let's face it, no, none of us like to be rejected. Even if I'm making an offer and I'm being as genuine as I can be to be as helpful as I can be and coming from the best place of intention possible and all of those things are in alignment, um, you know, you still might not – be interested or you still might not be my best customer, but it's hard to do that. It's hard to put yourself out there in that way on a regular basis. So we want to make those offers in um, to an audience that's the most likely going to be receptive. Now, again, in many cases, 
one of those may be an email list, right? Because those are people who said, yeah, they've opted in and said, I definitely want information from you or I want to at least be eligible to get the information that you're sharing. So that's, you know, we want to increase the um, the pool or increase the odds of the um, of our offer being accepted. Does that make sense? So I tell people to be really strategic. It'd be better off to make the offer to 20 people who are likely or more likely to say yes as opposed to 200 people and they're totally random and you have no idea. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think when you're scientific about these things, it really helps you in terms of it's going to boost your confidence because you're going to get higher conversion rates. That's right, absolutely. And those people... Even if they choose not to say yes today, those people may say yes to a secondary offer. Well, I'm not ready to buy, but I would go ahead and I'd like to go ahead and get on your email list. You know, maybe I'm just not quite ready, or you've, you know, it's bad timing because I'm getting ready to go on vacation, or whatever. I mean, there's all kinds of things happening in people's lives. The no, in many cases, isn't no, I don't want what you have. It just is no, I'm not ready to do it right now, or I don't know enough yet. So, you know, if we have a sort of a secondary offer saying, hey, if you're not ready to buy or join my program or, or sign up for the membership site, well, be sure you go ahead and get on my email list. This is where I share information, you know, that's really specific to the kinds of things you're looking for, and that way you won't miss anything. You know, now we've still made a nice engagement, and we we, we still have this nice connection, and I've and I don't feel like I've been rejected or turned down. I just feel like somebody wasn't quite ready to say yes, if that makes sense. This is audio, and this is on the radio, but if this were video or television, you would have seen me raising my hands in the air and mouthing <laughs> the word hallelujah when you said, when you said that. Because what we, what we tell people all the time is no means, in most cases, not right now. Now, that doesn't mean you insist, because when you insist, you lose. That doesn't matter whether you're selling, you're persuading, you're marketing, you're trying to find a boyfriend or right. a girlfriend or whatever. Um, when somebody says no and you insist, you make it permanent. But if somebody says no and you respect that, no can mean not right now because there could be a lot of things going on in a person's mind. And if you push them, that no can become permanent. Maybe it could be that maybe you know we're in a conversation about something and I say no just because uh, – because I'm I'm worried about my cat who's at the vet, and I just can't process the idea of doing a deal right now. So not right now could change as soon as tomorrow. Right, right, and we don't know. We don't know why someone says that, and and I know this is hard. Again, when we're making an offer, you know, we want to do business with people, and whatever that means. And in your case, and you know, the individuals listening today. And I know this is hard, but you really have to sort of be unattached to the to the results, so to speak. You know, it's not personal. Um, and in many cases, again, it's just maybe they just don't know you very well, or maybe they're, you know, they need to check with a spouse, or maybe they don't have their credit card. I mean, whatever. Like, we don't know what their reasons are, and it's okay. Like, you don't need to know. Um, I, had a, I had a client not too long ago call me, and she's like, oh, you know, she had made an offer to a small group of people who had done business with her before, and several people took advantage of it, but a couple people didn't, and she was obsessing over why these two people didn't move forward with her, and I was like, you know what, it's it's really not, 
it's not your problem to solve. You know, I think you've given them the space to continue, and if they've chosen not to, you know, I, I would just give them a little space and then follow up with them in a couple of weeks. Well, sure enough, she followed up, and one of them, she was just on vacation, and she was in a totally different place, and, her, you know, she just wasn't in her business mindset. Um, to your point, you know, sometimes people just need to be able to process information in their terms, and it's our job, again, as marketers, to give them the space to do that, but then to come back maybe at an appropriate time and make an offer again. That's very true. And it's also fair to say that maybe the offer you're making right now is not the offer they need. Uh, many times, no, you know, you know, sometimes no also means not right now, but let's keep talking. Right, absolutely. And give people the chance to continue the dialogue, whether that's via your email list or um, attending, you know, if you have open office hours or you do conference calls, with, you know, whatever your, your methodology is. Absolutely. I mean, let's face it. We think about a lot of times as a salesperson or a marketer of a small business, you know, we, we're really attached to everybody saying yes every time we make an offer. And right. I totally get that. However, think about it in terms of like retail or something, right? Like Macy's doesn't, you know, if you go into Macy's and you walk out one day and you don't buy anything, you know, they're not like, they're not freaking out going, oh, she didn't buy anything today, like, oh, she must have hated us and she didn't like what we showed her and, and, and I didn't say the right thing and all these doubts. No, they know, like, we're just going to be here and when she comes back, she'll buy something next time, right? So we need to just sort of take a little bit of that type of approach that, you know, just because it's a no today doesn't mean it's a no forever. My job is to keep doing a great, over-delivering, so, you know, taking great care of my customers who did say yes, and, you know, continue to make offers in the future. I'm not a big fan of Macy's for reasons that fall outside the ages of the Business Creators Radio Show, but let me tell you, but let me tell you, let me tell you this much. Um, I've been aware of the existence of Macy's ever since I was but a young child. I The next time that Macy's actually pressures me to do anything will be the first. And, there, and, there, and there's a reason they've been there since like the beginning of time. <laughs> so what, So we're about halfway through this, and what I hope our listeners are already gathering, not only from the comment I just made about how a business that doesn't pressure anybody has been there for centuries now. I think it's right. like 175 years. I'd have to go back and look it up. This is one of those things. Right, but a really long answer. time. Right, right. And when we hear these anecdotes and all these examples of how no can simply mean not right now, what I'd like to hopefully have people recognize is this is designed to help you build your sales confidence already. Uh, you may have come to this call thinking that you're going to get the five steps to building your sales confidence. And Phyllis may have a few things for us. We're going to find this out in the next few minutes. Maybe she does, maybe she doesn't. That's a mystery that remains to be solved. But what we want our listeners to get already is that there is no reason to freak out because somebody says no. In fact, that no could be leading to an even greater yes. Uh, I'm going to throw Correct. out a couple cliches. Uh, maybe this one particular prospect tells you no, but that's okay because since you didn't get them as a client, now you have room for this even better client that just showed up today that you didn't even see on your radar screen when you, after you've been chasing this one. Uh, also, don't get one-itis over one client. Did you not tell me just a story about somebody who was dealing with a small sample of prospects? What was that, like 10 people or something like that? Yeah. Okay, and you said that they were obsessing to you uh, as their coach, because they didn't close two of the people. 
Correct. Right. But they, but, they, but they closed eight, right? Right. They closed 80%, 80% conversion rate, and they were worried the two people said no. The best I've ever done is 71%. Right. Well, and so so let's talk about this when it comes to the confidence, right? Right. Um, if you don't mind, because I do want to – I do think it's important – to tell people, first of all, if, if you're listening and you're like, oh, this all sounds great, but it sounds like, you know, you two have been doing this for a long time and, and you kind of get it. I'm not there yet or I just have, you know, I struggle with this. And I'm, I right. don't, I, I could totally get it. So let's talk about when it comes to being confident, the first thing that I want to recommend for everybody is just owning what you know. You know, being, if you have to write it down, if you have to make a, you know, get friends to help you with this, you know, your expertise and your experience and your capabilities are yours alone. And um, so it's a, it's a place for me and for many of my clients to draw some strength and some confidence. Um, I, you know, I'm not good at everything under the sun, but I'm really good, and all of you can do this too. You know, you're really good at and be really honest with yourself about yeah. that. Sometimes we try and shy away from it. Um just really, I call it owning it, you know, stepping up and owning it and saying, yeah, you know what, I am good at selling and I'm good at doing this and there's nothing wrong with saying that. The other thing I want people to understand is that being confident in that way is in no way about comparison. So I'm not saying I'm the best salesperson in the entire world of salespeople. I just try to do the best that I can do and I feel good about the way that I do it. Um, do I continue to work at it and learn and everything? Sure I do. Okay, It's not about comparing my skills with somebody else or ranking myself in any way. It's just being confident in, in who I am and what I know. I find that to be a point of real relief, right, because I don't, I don't like comparing, first of all. Um, and typically if we're going to compare ourselves to others, we typically always put ourselves sort of on the short end of the stick. So, right. you know, and confidence isn't about that anyway. You know, some of the most successful people in the world will tell you, um, that I just heard a, an interview with John Maxwell, and he was he's one of the most successful authors and speakers in the world. You know, he talks about the fact that he still has, you know, nerves and he still gets nervous and he still has you know, a little bit of a, you know, maybe this audience isn't going to like me this time kind of feeling. And, you know, if he has it as accomplished as he is, like it's totally okay that, you know, we, we can all just stand in our presence and feel good about who we are and what we do. We don't have to compare ourselves to anybody else. Another cliche is we go on social media and we see all these other people that are so much more successful than us. Well, we tend to give ourselves the short end of the stick is because we're comparing our backstory to somebody else's highlight reel. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I, and I really caution people about doing that, right? Just, um, you know, realize again, the best thing I, I, I hate to go back to this phrase again of owning it, but, um, you know, you can be happy for somebody else's highlight. I think you're right about the highlight reel and also acknowledge, like, we don't know what, in, what went into that. You know, I just read a blog post the other day from somebody who was talking about their 10-year journey to overnight success. 
they've just recently sort of gotten some major publicity and it's sort of propelled them to now a lot of people know who they are. And he's like, you know, what they don't know is that, I mean, I've been doing this for 10 years. Many of those, you know, nobody knew anything about me and, you know, I was in the trenches kind of daily doing what I had to do. And, um, you know, we don't always see that either with people who, who, who maybe are have aspired that or people who are two or three steps above us in their business. Um, you know, we don't know what they've been through. We don't know the struggles that they've had unless they've chosen to share those. And um, we don't know that. So, um, yeah, to just, you know, you can be okay with where you are. Where you're at today is all that you can do anything about. So the best thing you can do is own what you know and then, you know, take the next best step forward. You know, uh, and it is unfortunate. We have to learn how to see through this. Uh, I mean, we get these messages all the time. I'm remembering not even a year ago, uh, I had been interviewed for somebody to be a guest on somebody's podcast, and then I met this person in person at an event where I was speaking, and oh. the, and the person said to me, and I and I asked them just asked asked this person just in conversation, I I I just wanted to check in see how they're doing with their podcast because I didn't I hadn't heard that it had been launched yet and they said well yeah we're just getting ready to launch it and uh, I'll let you know when your episode is up you have to understand I have some some you know some people who are bigger than you and I want to put their episodes first and I said what what I I, I have relative value as a human being and there are people <laughs> bigger bigger than me well and I and I to teach this person a lesson, I said, well, tell you what, whenever you get around to me, just let me know, and I'll decide whether I have time to help you promote your podcast, and walked off. And they subsequently begged my forgiveness. But the point I was making is, they were big according to who? Right, right. Yeah, and, and that's oh, what yeah, I want that's, I'm, I'm totally big with them. according to who? Uh, right. I, 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 I also know of somebody who had, who had a situation where – uh, they uh, were they were upset because their photo had been like like their like their testimonial had been bumped down on somebody's page that they had given this person because uh, and this was somebody who they had done so much for I mean uh, they were giving a testimonial to somebody who they had done a ton of things for and they were upset because they were bumped way down the bottom because this person had gotten another testimonial from some big name who had never done squat for them and I told this person you know if you're upset with the person who bumped your testimonial down uh, because you're upset because you've done so much for this person and they come in and they want to put your testimonial way at the bottom so they can put Joe's up at the top just because he allegedly has a bigger reach. Uh, if this right. is something that really matters to you, then go back to your person and say, so next time Joe has an urgent crisis, uh, or next time you have an urgent crisis, why don't you call Joe and see what kind of help he'll give you? Again, big according to who? Uh, right, exactly. And, and, I'm, and, and, I'm giving, and I'm giving some extreme examples because I just want to nail this in. Big according to to who? For some people, you are the world. Exactly. And and they're looking to you. The other thing about being confident, and I, I really want people listening to hear this if this is something you struggle with, yes. is that 
you know, people really want to believe in you. They want to believe in you, and they want to believe in the products and services that you have. They, they really do. Um, I'll use this analogy of, you know, like a, a doctor. You know, some people are like, oh, I don't, I don't want to sound like I'm bragging or anything like that. So I use this very obvious example of going to a doctor and you're sick or your child is sick and you know you don't want the doctor to be like well you know I'm I'm probably not the best doctor I'm I'm okay I'm you know, I could probably help you, and you know, right now, obviously, of course not, right? You want a physician who's going to be like, yeah, absolutely, I can help you. I'm going to make your, you know, I'm going to diagnose your child, and we're going to get to take care of the problem and make everything better. And that's really what your audience wants from you. They want you to, they want to believe in you, they want to like you, and they want to believe in the products and services that you're offering them. And um, I think that, for me, was kind of a, a, a mind switch because it takes the focus off of what, what, what am I, right? And it, and it right. puts the sort of focus on what does my audience need and want to see from me. And I th- for me, that was really helpful. It's like, you know what, of course they want me to be confident about what I know. I'm also right up front if somebody asks me something and I don't know about it. Somebody asked me a question the other day about SEO and analytics. That's not my thing. You know, I mean, I understand the concepts, but I'm certainly not an expert at that. So I refer right. them to someone who is. And I'm I'm totally fine doing that because that's really not my skill set. So, you know, I think you're it's really great if you can let your audience know here's what I'm great at and here's how I can help you. And just be, you know, the sincerity and with really good intention, again, that's not going to come across as boastful or arrogant or proud. They're going to be relieved. They're going to be like, oh, thank goodness, because I'm totally looking for somebody who can do this for me. I'm totally looking for someone who can answer these questions or solve this problem. And they want that from you. There's a term out there called aspirational success, A-S-P-I-R-A-T-I-O-N-A-O, and we aspire to it, aspirational mm-hmm. success. And when they see you being successful, it gives them feelings of confidence. So they want to follow you because they want your success. So it is possible, and it's actually expected, that you're going to show them how you're successful. Right, absolutely. And, again, it's coming from that place of – Again, being helpful and being knowledgeable and sort of saying, you know what, I don't know everything in the world, but I know this. So if you want to follow me, follow me, and you will kind of get there together or, you know, you can, you know, or I'll take you where, where you need to go or help you on your journey. Um, I think that message really resonates with a lot of people, um, you know, and it really makes people feel comfortable that you've been in their place before and you know how to solve the problems and you know how to keep things moving forward. Um, at the end, because at the end of the day, that's what we're all looking for. Whether it's about our health, or you know, raising kids, or having a nice home, and and that sort of thing, we just want to know there's somebody who can answer my questions and who knows sort of where I'm coming from. And if you can tap into that for your audience, um, it's a win every time. Your offers are going to be right. accepted readily, and people are going to totally get it. There's many reasons why people don't do it, and there's a phrase that we hear too often, especially in childhood. Uh, who do you think you are? Uh, good point. Good point. So, and that's dealing with um, 
you're talking about dealing like with self-doubt or maybe feeling like I'm not as good as I'm not. Who am I to be able to to lead these people or who am I to be helpful? Yeah. Is that where you're coming from? That's that's where that's where I'm going because that message delivered in exactly those words or in similar words. So the moment and 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 this is why I say all the time on social media, stop using words that end in the letters IST. So if you are selective about who your friends are because you want to associate with the people who are going to best support you in your business and life goals, that makes you an elitist. If you express any form of love of yourself, you're a narcissist. If you have any sort of expectation that you get what you pay for, and if you pay for premium, you expect to go first class, well, now you're a classist. And when we put these labels on, and people are afraid of getting labels, so therefore that cuts right into their confidence. Yeah, that's interesting. I've, I've kind of never thought about it like this. Yeah. You know, but I, I think that self-doubt, though, comes from, at least for me, I feel like sort of self-doubt or this imposter-type syndrome comes from um, – not that I'm not good enough, but I'm not um, I'm not this uh, I don't know, I think it's when we set a, a, a really unattainable expectation. Okay. Right, that I'm going to be like this um, again, you talked about aspirational like trying right. to be, you know, somebody's going to start out and say, well, you know, I'm going to start off and I want to start off at you know, the John Maxwell level of public speaking. Sure. Well, no, you're you're probably not, right? So and and so trying to um, again, it gets into comparing, right? Because if we're feeling like we're not good enough, then that must mean that there's somebody out there who is, right? And we're comparing in some way. Um, I think the answer for me is to usually go back and and be really honest about here's what I know, here's what I know that I'm good at, and here's how I know I can help people. And if you're not sure, then ask people. Ask a trusted friend or advisor. um, Ask somebody that you've worked with to help you kind of identify those things. Where can you be effective? Where have you already been effective? Where have you really made a difference in someone's life? Um, in your business or what have you, whatever it is you're doing, and then, you know, really be honest with yourself about that. A lot of times we don't want to be honest about who we are and what we can offer to the world. Yeah. We feel like it has to be bigger than that, right? Because if it's just me, like, that's just not big enough. I'm not, you know, Oprah. Well, you know, Oprah wasn't always Oprah either. So, you know, she started where she started. And it's our job to just start where we are right now today. And, 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 you know, I think there's two competing things. One, as I said before, all these labels and the who do you think you are, and if you stand up and you stand for something, you're suddenly something that ends in the letters IST. And I think mm-hmm. on the other hand, we get pressure to fake it till you make it, which does have its value. Or, and I, I, the best way I can explain this is through an anecdote is I know somebody who is a member of a business coaching program, and she does a special kind of coaching. It's sort of a heart-centered type business coaching, and she took her business model to the people in her mastermind. They immediately started with, oh, no, 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 no. You can't be doing this. You have to triple your rates and only work with five people and build a coaching team and have your sub-coaches work with everybody who can't pay you $10,000. She didn't want that. And and I've gotten pressure that, you know, you need to build a big team and replicate yourself and all that. 
that has never worked for me. Right. So just because you get pressure to do something because that is how the success is being defined, that doesn't mean that's your success. It may not be an integrity with you, so that can cut into your confidence as well because you're not measuring up because you're being told by people who mean well that, you know, take these actions and you'll be successful. Uh, but that might be out of integrity with what you're looking to accomplish. And there be a, may, may be another way that you can achieve the level of financial and other forms of success you're looking for. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a terrific point. And, you know, for me, this goes back to I have a list of what I call my non-negotiables. Because I'm with you. I don't necessarily um, want to – I like the high-touch capability that I have with most of my clients. Right. And I don't want to pass them off to someone else. That's my choice, right, I, because it limits how many people I can work with at any given time. But that's my choice, and I'm okay with that. But I do have um, some core non-negotiables, and right. I wrote those down kind of early on, and that's actually really helped me because what's it's important. You you made the best point is that you know you have to do what's right for you and what's right for your success. Again, I could I could work with more people if I leverage things and I did things differently and I trained some other people to do some other things so that I don't have to do it all or whatever. Um, but right now, that's not how I want to run it. So, and that's my choice. And again, it goes back to my non-negotiables, which is you know certain kinds of businesses I want to work with, the type of people I want to work with, and even some of the methodologies that I always want to follow. So, um, I always want to have a personal relationship with people who are getting my one-to-one -one coaching. It's important to me to do that. Even in my group coaching, there's a level of one-to-one -one interaction. Those are my choices, and that because that's what's right for me. Somebody else may see it differently and may want to do it differently, and that's okay. You know, you can have your own non-negotiable. I don't work with certain types of businesses, you know, not because right. I don't like them or whatever. I'm not – there's certain types of businesses I don't think I can serve very well. So I'm just honest and upfront about that. It makes it easy for me. So if somebody approaches me or talks to me about that, I can – with very good confidence and self-assuredness say, you know what, I'm not a good fit for you, but here's somebody who might be. And and I can say that knowing I'm not going to get myself into something that I know I'm not going to be good at or in an industry that I've, I, I don't want to be part of. Yeah. And, 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 Those and, things have been really helpful. Right. And you can see how that can cut into your sales confidence. Well, if uh, if my selling works out well and I end up with a prospect I don't want, what, I, 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 have, I, I have to take them on? Well, Here's a simple fact. Even if you have a prospect or an opportunity in front of you and it looks good on paper, and even if you have 10 things you're looking for in an ideal client and this opportunity, this client in front of you, you can, you can check off 10 out of 10, but you're just not feeling it, you don't have to take it. Right, right. Yeah. And you can do what's, you know, you can – and there's, I guess, I think there's real power in that too. I'm, I'm sure you've done that in your career, and and you've been able to say, you know, what I'm intentionally making this decision because I ultimately know it's in my best interest and it's in the other the other person's best interest as well, right? So now I'm not. This is I, another example of this is when somebody asks me to do something that's outside again, like where they're like, well, you're already doing this and this and this for me. Again, why don't you do the analytics part of stuff too? Well, uh -huh. no, that's not my thing, and and you know. Early on in my career, I might have been eager to say yes because I, I don't want to ever disappoint anyone. 
but I learned that you know, if I'm trying to do something that's really not my skill set that I'm not very good at, first of all, it's going to frustrate me, and secondly, I'm not going to give them the best results. Right? It just becomes a really bad thing, and I've, I've tried this. <laughs> so don't you know, take my word for it. I, I don't want anybody to have this struggle, but I, was, I got into something I, I wasn't really good at, and I was having to get a lot of help, and, and I still wasn't meeting the customer's expectations, and it was because I said yes to something that I'm just really not that good at. And so I learned very early, like, it's okay. It's okay to say, here's my lane, and I'm going to stay in it. I'm going to own it. I'm going to love it. I'm going to run it. I'm going to just you know, have a great time with this part. And if it comes out way outside of this, you know, I, I just have to say that's not my thing. Let's find somebody else that's going to be a good fit. Right. One of the competing pressures we get is to be all things to all people. And if you're already doing one thing, why can't you do this other thing that the market serves? Right. Uh, between the years of 2006 and 2010, um, I owned a web development firm. I am not a web designer. I know how to make a site convert, but I don't know about yeah. color swatches and all that. I, When I had the, the firm, I paid people who knew how to do that, and they actually right. taught me the fundamental understanding but it took a different type of creativity to make that happen. I was an aggregator. And I bring this up, and I, and I keep bringing this up because, you know, we have people in the Business Creators Institute who are web designers, who are web development firms, and I use my experience to help them leverage and grow their businesses in the way that serves them best. Right. We got a lot of business because um, info marketers would put out courses or they'd create coaching programs, and one of the components would be, oh, and we'll build you a website too. And what kept happening is they would keep bringing on web designers. I can think of one person, a uh, previous client of ours, great guy. I'm not going to say his name, but fantastic guy, loving the pieces. And he had one of these types of programs. He said, oh, we'll build your website for you too. And he had three designers on board to help him with that. Well, let's see. In one day, one of the designers fired him, said, I'm not going to do this anymore. Another did something co so catastrophic that they had to be fired. And then the third one just stopped answering emails. Just disappeared, oh, no. just said, nope, I don't care. I'm not doing it anymore. That didn't even explain. So this guy got left holding a bag on eight websites. Now he, oh, came, now, he, now he came to me asking if I could bail him out. And I said, well, we can help you with three of them. That's a much, you know, that's, that's what the bandwidth we have right now. I can help you with three of them. And, and he said, well, you know, I've already lost a lot of money. And I said, well, unfortunately, you're going to lose some more money. Uh, maybe next time you offer a program, don't throw in the done for you website and you won't have this problem. And he said, touche, and he paid our rates, we solved his problem. But uh, that's right. a classic example right there of throwing in a service that is nowhere near your core just because it's, quote, unquote, logical that you would include this too. Mm -hmm. That's not necessarily the case. So we have about right. yeah, so we have about uh, four minutes here. And uh, just real quickly, if you can answer two things for me. The first is, you know, what are just a few ways, if you were to give us a quick checklist, a few ways you can increase your confidence, not just when it comes to selling. Okay, so absolutely, let's do that. So number one, and I've already mentioned this, but I want to mention it again, is right. just be really honest with yourself about what you know and what right. you're good at. The second thing is to um, give yourself the opportunity to, to demonstrate that, whether it's just in a conversation with a friend or a mentor or even to a customer, uh, just have the ability to talk about a success and, and, and really kind of talk through it, how it happened and that sort of thing. I find we do better when we're explaining um, our processes and we're explaining how things happened as opposed to like, oh, I did this. Right. Um, the other thing I think is really 
um, this might seem counterintuitive, but I find it to be really helpful, is uh, giving yourself the experience of new opportunities or pushing yourself a little bit in a new way. So um, for me, with, with the selling, um, one of the things that I'm doing right now is um, actually I'm learning a little bit about photography. It's way outside of my sales scope, but I like having nice pictures on my blog. So um, it's a kind of a cool thing because it, it, it's teaching me some new things. It's teaching me how to relate to things. But it's also helpful for me to clarify, gosh, like, you know, the things that I'm really good at, if that makes sense. Yes. Um, and being able to, like, learning learning a new skill. And I think that's the other thing to really be acknowledge as well, is that, you know, we're always learning. Um, I don't, you know, as I've been in sales for 20-something years, and I've been very successful. However, you know, I don't, I don't ever feel like I've arrived, and I certainly don't feel like I know it all, right? There's just there's always this constant process of learning. And you've been in if you've been in the web design business, you know that business it changes constantly. Yeah. Um, you have to just keep up with kind of what's happening and what's new, and um, I, I think that's really helpful too. And in, in just uh, saying, you know what, I'm really good at this uh, part of my business, and there's this. I'm going to be a constant learner, um, not because I have to be, not because I don't know what I know, but because I know that um, you know this falls within the skill set of things I know I'm good at, and being able to learn even more about it is going to help my confidence. And that's good for anything, whether it's parenting or um, learning to play an, an instrument or learning a new language. I mean, just really exposing yourself to the opportunity to learn and sort of be better at things. Yeah. and There's from, a feeling and, of accomplishment. Right. Mm-hmm. And from that stems confidence, the feeling that you can accomplish things. So you want to build your sales confidence, in my personal opinion, um, going with everything you've said and the great tips you've given and everything we've spoken about over the past hour is find ways to be successful because success begets success. And you'll be a lot more confident out there selling it if you know you can do it. Yeah, absolutely. And there's a momentum that comes with that too, yeah. right? A momentum of just, you know, sort of feeling good about those things. Absolutely. You're totally right. Absolutely. And when you lose that momentum, you lose your confidence, uh, conversely. So Phyllis Nichols, first of all, thank you so much for taking time with us here today. This has been fantastic. And I uh, just want to turn over the floor to you for just 30 seconds and just tell our listeners how they can take things to the next level. I imagine there's somebody on the edge of their seat thinking they would like to get more. Well, absolutely. Well, thank you for having me. I've loved this conversation, and I've actually made some notes from some things that you've said, so I've I've, uh, really appreciated our time together today. And absolutely, if somebody would like to reach out, um, you can find me at Phyllis, well, let me start with the website, which is soundadvicesales.com. Right. Um, my email, my contact information is there. If you have questions or you'd like to talk a little bit about your sales processes, send me a note and let me know. Um, there's also uh, the Sound Advice podcast that I'll put out there, which is um, uh, on iTunes, and it's under uh, Sound Advice. So, uh, but, but the website's really the best way to get information. I have um, some additional resources there about sales and some sales guides and things like that. So please take advantage of those as well. And thank you again for the opportunity. I've, I've just loved every minute of it. All right. Well, let me just tell you, it's been an honor and an education. And I also have gained a few very important things, part of it through validation and part of it just through new insights you brought to us. So Phyllis, again, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you. Okay. Uh, For everybody listening, this is Adam Homey, host of the Business Creators Radio Show. Please tune in. Check out our website at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. 
see who's been on the Business Creators Radio Show, see what's coming up. Subscribe to us on iTunes, and let us help you win at the game of business and marketing. Until next time, have a great day.